0: out the myths, misinformation, and B.S. in the wellness industry, this is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Here's your host, holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Broadcasting from the most famous small town in America, Woodstock, New York, it's me, that guy, you know the one, the one super tired of this COVID nonsense, right? I think it's time to protest. This is parenting, parenting. No, of course not. I don't feel that way. I have gained the COVID-15, which is like the freshman 15, except, you know, 2020 and that 1998. That's when I was in college, 1998. Can you believe that? feels like a long time ago. Anyway, if I only knew some sort of a supplement guru who talks about nutrition, does videos, writes articles, I feel like I could get back on track, but I have yet to find that guy. Anyway, thanks for tuning in here. This is a tough time. I don't have to say it. Everybody's saying it. As I've said a few times now, I think the best help that I can give is to stop being so negative about supplement quality for a little bit and just help everybody get through the mental side of this. Help with the mental wellness. I've got anxiety over these silly commercials and companies that are all like, in these difficult times, you know, we're all in this together. I even had a company that makes empty capsules email some nonsense like that. And it's just hollow, hollow. Nobody cares how you're responding to COVID-19, vitamin powder company. Nobody cares. But I think that this is helpful. People have told me that this stuff that we're doing is helpful. This is tough. It's running a toll on me, on my mental health. Thankfully, I've got a therapist, and just chatting with him helps me feel better. Even if I don't say anything new, just the act of talking to them helps. So, you know, I'm hoping to encourage a few people to seek professional help. And there are people out there without access to a professional, so here I am. I says to myself, self, how can we get these therapists to the people instead? And not just this touchy-feely stuff that I see online too, but real practical advice to help people deal. Well, coping with COVID is the answer, and I promise that this is going to be the last one we'll be putting on the podcast from now on. You got to get these at YouTube only. So go over to YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash D-R-N-E-A-L-S-M-O-L-L. Dr. Neil Smoller. That's my channel. Besides the YouTube videos, we actually have an article this week talking about vitamin D and how it does have a link to COVID. And you should check that out over at woodstockvitamins.com. So today's coping with COVID episode is a twofer. Dr. Stephen Ball and Benjamin Lipton are psychotherapists out of New York City who joined me separately for coping with COVID. I just mishmashed them up here together. We're going to start with Ben, and then we'll get right into the conversation with Steve. And this will technically be Steve's third appearance, I just figured out. So uh, I think he wins the prize of some sort. But anyway, here's Ben Lipton, psychotherapist, helping us cope with COVID. All right, welcome to the Coping with COVID series. I'm Dr. Neil Smoller, holistic pharmacist, and I'm joined with Ben Lipton. Hi, everybody. Ben's a psychotherapist who has had quite a busy month, as I'm understanding, month and a half, right? Helping people cope with COVID himself. So Ben, thank you for being here with us and thank you for your service to your patients.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for doing this for all of us. It's great.
0: My pleasure. Um, So let's just jump right in. I I couldn't say this with the other two psychotherapists that we had on here because, you know, they're baldies. Let's be honest. They're both uh, hairless gentlemen, but you and I, you know, we can relate to this. I'm missing my barber. Now you look nice and clean, so I don't know who hooked you up. but That's uh, because I am my barber, Neil. <laughs> you cut your own hair? I used to have a phlobie. I have the hair that could use a phlobie. But anyway, so anyway, my hair is causing me some emotional distress. And there's like this whole idea that we're out of our routines. And in fact, uh, a lot of the protesters that we've talked about uh, with other psychotherapists here one of their biggest complaints is that they want to go get their hair dyed and haircut. And such, right. So, um, priorities. priorities. <laughs> I know I want you to go get exposed to COVID so I can get my hair cut. So, um, w- what advice do you have for me? I mean, obviously uh, this is not uh, a major concern of course, from a perspective <laughs> standpoint, but I'm sure there are people that are kind of mourning these kinds of things. So do you have any advice for us that, uh, Hair are, is becoming unkempt, and their shaving patterns are going out the window.
1: I thought you were going to literally ask me for advice on how you should cut your hair.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you have styling advice, I definitely need it.
1: I've needed it for about thirty-five years now. So, <laughs> watch lots of YouTube videos. <laughs> um, so, wait. Your question is. Say your question one more time. I want so to. my question is: Is like a lot
0: of us are mourning mm-hmm. the um, the the loss of normalcy. Mm-hmm. And so, do you see? Are you seeing that a lot? And you know, what's your advice typically to these people when Absolutely. when they're just upset about not being able to do the regular old stuff anymore?
1: I actually love that question, and I think um, that question allows me to say what I actually think is the most important thing that I want to say for whatever else you might ask me today about whatever we're going to talk about, which is that it's not people are mourning and people are upset because we are losing a lot right now. That's real. Yeah. And we don't have to pretend that it's not. We can deal with reality and live in reality, and it'll be really relieving to do so, even though it might seem like we're trying to run away from it. So I just mean that it's not, it's okay for it to not be okay. I think that's the most important thing for people to take with them.
0: I agree. We say to our kids a lot, you know, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to do whatever. It's not okay to hit your sister. So uh, (laughs) the actions that we take after that, of course, have to be considered. So I'm sure we're going to get into all of that. But, um, you know, so as you can see, I'm not doing this from a wall in my bedroom or from the attic in the Woodstock apothecary. I'm actually out in my I can woods. I can't see that. Yeah, I see it's a very really really nice cool.
1: swimming pool behind you. It. Yeah,
0: it's it's pretty <laughs> blue. It's like 40 degrees and my kids uh, were like, I want to get in the pool. I'm like, I'll give you a dollar if you jump in the pool. And uh-huh. they jumped in and screamed their face off. They they earned that money for sure. But uh, uh-huh. but you know, you and I are lucky. We have homes out in the woods and yeah. some people aren't so lucky. And yeah. so do you want to touch on this idea of like either you know, claustrophobia that people are feeling or even the idea of isolation or lack mm-hmm. of physical, you know, contact, that kind of yeah.
1: thing. Yeah, I'm actually seeing that a lot in my practice, um, especially people who literally are living on their own, which, um, you know, I'm here now in, in the woods with you, but I uh, live in New York City where there are a lot of people who are living on their own, it's the case all, all across the country. I think there are actually more single people than not in the United States at this point. So people are lonely, physically lonely. Not having contact is a big deal. And um, if you're asking me like what people might be able to do about that. I um, guess.
0: I mean, these Zoom meetings are all right, but I'm kind of tired of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: They are, they are, they are miserable. And I think it, after a while, and I think it goes yeah. back again to letting oneself feel bummed about that. It yeah. doesn't, it's not the same as falling into a depression. Feeling sad is not the same as feeling depressed. Feeling sad is a feeling about an actual experience. Feeling depressed is a syndrome of all kinds of things that are actually not about feelings, but are, but are about avoiding your feelings. Right. So if you're feeling lonely and you're feeling sad, number one, you have good reason to if you're living on your own and being told that you can't go and be with other people. I think there are also some ways that you can address that within the reality constraints that we all have to deal with right now. Sure. Go for a socially distant appropriate walk with somebody else in your neighborhood. Um, Reach out and speak to somebody. It is not the same as being able to give somebody a hug, but, or, or hang out on the sofa together, but it does make a difference. And you know, don't take my word for it. Read all of the research on what helps people in difficult situations survive them. And to a study, it's social support. Right. It doesn't say physical contact. It says social support. So physical contact may be what we want, but social support's going to be good enough in this time when we're basically living in the context of a certain kind of war, really, right? Right. So let's make th- – I think that's the way we can make the best of it. And one last thing, which is like technique if it's okay for me to – Of course, talk. yeah. I'm all for it. One more thing about this. Mm -hmm. This is going to sound so cheesy. It is cheesy. (laughs) I roll my eyes at it, and yet it works. And it works because of our brains. Our brains have a left and a right hemisphere to them. This is not quite neurobiologically accurate, but it's good enough for these purposes. The left side of our brain uh, is where we think analytically. We use words. We put things in sequential order that kind of stuff. Uh, the right side of our brain is where we feel our feelings and where our creative processes take place. And it's not words. So it, and it's where our body processes experience. So why am I giving this whole little lesson in neurobiology? Because giving yourself, roll your eyes now, a self-hug I want you to do this, Neil.
0: I'm going to do have it. Have to do it. All with right. Me. Oh, see, the well, problem is, right. is that I've been hitting the M and M so so wrapping my arms around me is actually much more difficult. No excuses. Than it normally is. No excuses. All right, I'm doing now, it now.
1: Very importantly, as you're doing this, take your hands and put them on. Uh, I think this is this the deltoid. What is this? Uh, uh, I think
0: this is deltoid. This is bicep, tricep. Yeah, this is tricep. The tricep yes. area, okay. right at the
1: bottom, of your and squeeze. All right, and just take a breath and just feel where your hands are holding your body. And that's gonna feel good. It's gonna feel good because it activates a relaxation response physiologically in your body that bypasses your thinking brain. So if you hold your hands here, it doesn't matter what you're thinking, you can be saying this is ridiculous, rolling your eyes, or whatever, but if you turn into your, Tune into your physical experience you're actually feeling a little bit better. Do you buy that?
0: I do buy it. I buy it a lot. <laughs> That's excellent. All right. You know, Let's when go. people
1: put their arms around each other, yeah. they, they do it here. Right. It's not an accident.
0: Yeah. All right, Ben. So the other thing that I'm hearing a lot is, is of course, anxiety, right? It's the sure. undercurrent of this whole thing. A lot of people are anxious about Pretty much everything. So anxious about getting sick, of course. Anxious about do I have to, what if I get sick for something else and I have to go to the hospital? Right. Um, You hear lots of these
1: kinds of anxieties come up, I'm sure, right? A thousand percent. I have these anxieties, Neil. I don't just hear them from other people. I mean, it's an anxious time.
0: It is. Yeah. People like with their jobs. Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to keep my job? I know I work with people that. A lot of the people that I work with are uh, pharmacists, so they have to work, so they have anxieties mm-hmm. about, are their staff going to get sick? I work with a, another clientele that is like a work-from-home-already group, and they're seeing their income go to zero, you know? I it,
1: yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is really what the wrong metaphor to mix, but I was going to say the bread and butter of my work every day right now Yeah, is people just having tremendous anxiety about what is it. Anxiety is what does the future hold. And now that is on steroids because we are all uncertain about what the future... We actually always are uncertain about what the future holds, but now in a very different way. Right. And... uh, Like a
0: global uncertainty because this is so uncharted and we really don't know and there's nothing that's been conclusive that will say, okay, this is the answer and so everybody's kind of looking around they're looking towards any authoritative voice they're then they're feeding into that anxiety because then they start worrying because they're listening to the wrong people and it's a it's a horrible process so tell me it really is about anxiety and teach me teach me the ways of the
1: force yeah well i was sharing with you that um there are two slides that i wanted to offer people that i think can be helpful in dealing with anxiety there are so many tools so many techniques i could spend two days literally just offering stuff, but I want to teach people two concepts that I think will be super helpful. They're helpful for me. They're helpful for my clients, if that's okay. Of course, I'm going to share my screen. So I wanted to share this slide with you because I think that it can be really helpful for all of us who are trying to deal with our anxiety. What you see is over here on this triangle on the right upper upper right side of it. This triangle is called the triangle of experience. Another way of thinking about it, though, could be just thinking that this is actually a triangular. Um, representation of your brain. And there are three different categories of experience that all of our brains are processing. And we bounce around from one to the other. On the upper left side is this thing called defense, the upper right is anxiety, and down here at the bottom are our emotions. All of these three things relate to each other. And at any given moment in the day, we are either, in a state of defense, most of us these days, all the time getting overwhelmed with anxiety, or feeling our feelings. Now, I'm not gonna spend too much time talking about defenses today, actually not any, just in the interest of time, because I know these are like down and dirty conversations that we're having here, Um, but um, I can at another time if you want. For today, I just wanna focus on the relationship between anxiety and emotions. The whole function of anxiety is a warning system it says to us, danger, 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 you're getting close to feeling certain feelings, joy, anger, curiosity, sadness, fear, disgust. You are getting close to feeling certain feelings and my job, anxiety, is to try to distract you however I can from feeling those feelings. And you might ask yourself, why? Why would we want that? Why would our brains have evolved to do that? And the reason is because all of us learned early in our lives that certain emotions when we felt them we got overwhelmed even though they were however well-intentioned our parents weren't able to help us feel better and I'm talking when we're little infants not when we're even toddlers when we're little infants before we have words we our diaper is wet and we're getting overwhelmed and our parent isn't responding and we learned Oh, this feeling of distress and upset is more than I can handle. And our brain records that message deep inside and learns I never want to feel that again. So flash forward, in my case, more than half a century, scary to say, and uh, something happens that I feel really uncomfortable. My brain has the memory of those early experiences and automatically kicks in anxiety to try to warn me to stay away from that feeling. And anxiety, as you know, is a miserable state to be in, right? It involves racing. Exactly. Racing heartbeat, confusion, sweaty palms, shallow breathing. It's miserable. But the good thing about anxiety is it's totally absorbing. And in that way, it's super effective because it keeps you away from these feelings. This is the key. Am I making sense right now? Or am I saying- yeah, this much.
0: is excellent. Actually, I've never seen a graph like this. I do. We talked with the last psychotherapist about the defense mechanisms that people were using. Uh, right. the, the idea that they're angry and they're afraid, that's the emotion. Right. And instead of shifting towards anxiety, they move towards defense, and then they start pushing it outwards, right?
1: Exactly. So one direction that anxiety can go, because mm-hmm. anxiety is miserable, right. is towards defense. Yeah. To stay, defense is pull us away from, from our anxiety. Right, but we don't feel better when we're dealing with our defenses. Yeah. Anyway, that's for another conversation. Of course. But for today, um, so if the difference between uh, when we were babies and now, though, is that these feelings mm-hmm. that our brain thinks we can't handle, we actually can. We're bigger. Our brains are bigger. We have tons of life experience. We I can still wet my it. diaper, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you wanted to put that on like a public video. uh, uh, (laughs) I think I've talked about it. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give you my card, Neil. Uh, So, so bottom line is the more you can allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. And that's where I started with in this conversation we're having today. You know, that it's okay for it not to be okay. The more, if you're feeling sad, you can let yourself feel sad. If you're feeling scared, appropriate to feel scared about this virus thing that's floating around that we don't have all the answers for. The more you can let yourself feel your feelings, the less anxiety you will have. Because just as your brain learned when you were young to stay away from these feelings because you were overwhelmed, now when you feel that sadness, when you feel that fear, and nothing bad happens, your brain learns, oh, I can handle that. And all of a sudden, in an instant, anxiety isn't so necessary either. Um, Yeah, that's what I want to say. Um, So let yourself, as much as you can, feel what you're feeling, and you will not be feeling as much anxiety. Oh, that's what I I wanted to say one more thing. I knew there was something I was forgetting. That core emotions, the ones you see listed down here, joy, anger, curiosity, sadness, et cetera, et cetera, those core emotions happen quickly. We feel them. They come to a peak and they dissipate. And that happens within a matter of a minute or two. Hard for us to believe, but that's the science of it. So you're not going to be stuck in those feelings forever. You're just going to feel them. They're going to move through you. And as a result of that, your brain is going to learn, I don't need to be so anxious.
0: So Ben, this has been really helpful. And I know that you know, you have a lot of techniques that you share with your patients on like what to Actually, like tangibly, do <laughs> what's the right. practical application of this? So I was right. hoping that you could share a few with us.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let me just share a few um, techniques that are like down and dirty, quick in the moment ways of dealing with anxiety that gets you, you know, really activated or if you're trying to fall asleep at night or something like that. Um, and the primary principle I think it's important for people to know is that all emotions you know, angry, anger, sad, joy, etc. all emotions are fundamentally physical sensations that we feel in our bodies. And then that information goes up on the right side of our brain, crosses over to our left side of the brain, where it gets turned into a word. So you feel something physically, and that gets labeled a word like angry, sad, etc. Why am I saying that? Because if you want to help yourself deal with anxiety, you've got to deal with it on a physical level. There's a lot of work out there with people saying you can think your way through anxiety. But what we're really learning is that's not how it works. You gotta feel feel your way through anxiety by providing some physical help and support. So the first thing that I want you to do is what I'm actually doing now. I'm gonna turn my, um, my video down for a minute. Just put one hand, whichever one, it doesn't matter, on your on your heart, and put one hand on your belly, feel your feet on the ground, and just hold your hands there. The physical contact of your hands with your torso activates the relaxation response in your body. It's just a fact. If you apply a little bit of pressure, that helps more. And if you really hold yourself, and then tell your torso to let go, so as if, like a trust exercise with yourself as if you're holding your body so your torso doesn't have to do it. You just give your body a little bit of a relief and kind of provide a bit of a reset to your nervous system. So that's one simple thing. It takes 20 to 30 seconds. Generally holding something for 30 seconds is what the nervous system needs in order to be able to record it. So that's one technique I wanted to give you. Another one um, that's uh, I think, really helpful, is if you're feeling anxious, take a moment to check inside and find some place inside, if you can. You might not be able to, but try to find some place inside where you feel okay. It might be as small as, like, the fingernail on your pinky, or it might be as big as uh, some big, you know, your whole body. I don't know. But find some place where you feel, like, maybe not quite so anxious and bring your full attention to that place in your body. And then see if you can imagine allowing the energy of that feeling good, feeling calm, feeling settled experience to just spread out as if it's like a, um, a, a, pool, a puddle that's spreading out through your body. And then there's a flip to that. Ask yourself where are you feeling your anxiety if you're feeling anxious, right? Most people it's in our chest or in your belly. Find that place, put your hand where that place is. And then imagine, or remind yourself that you have your whole body to help you with that anxiety as opposed to just your chest. So let that anxious physical activation you're feeling spread out so that your whole body is helping you now with that instead of just that little spot in your chest. And it's like if you drop dye in a puddle, it can look really um, intense. If you drop it in the ocean, it dissipates. Same thing when it comes to anxiety. So that's another thing that really helps. And lastly, I'll just give you one more. I have so much other stuff, but I'm just going to give you one more for now. This is another one of these things that might make you roll your eyes, but it totally works, and it doesn't matter what you think about it. It's going to work anyway. I don't know if you've heard, Neil, about tapping. Yes. Um, Just going like this. Or the same thing on your on your thighs. Well, I'm not going to show you my crotch, but you get the idea.
0: <laughs> Thanks, but eh, maybe, maybe it was a little added bonus for everybody,
1: right? But, but you can hear it. That kind of tapping, if you just sit there and tap for, again, 30 seconds, a minute, you are, regardless of what you believe, you are going to have a dissipation in your anxiety. So those are some techniques for you.
0: Excellent. Well, Ben, it has been fun talking with you. Thank you very Thank you. much for uh, sharing all your wisdom with us. And uh, it's That wasn't getting,
1: all my wisdom. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a bunch
0: of your wisdom. I think it's uh, the highlights. It's, it's like the, uh, the best of. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's something to be happy about. It's 8 p.m. here right now when we're recording this and it's still light out. So that's pretty yeah, cool, right? It so. is. Thank you, Ben. Now it's Steve's turn. Dr. Stephen Ball needs no introduction as he's been here so freaking much. So let's just jump in and cope with COVID a bit more. Welcome, everyone. I want to thank Dr. Stephen Ball, psychotherapist and now frequent guest in our world here for joining us in our series, Coping with COVID. Uh, Dr. Ball will be one of three experts joining us today. I'm in my bedroom Against the wall on the floor (laughs) so dr. ball has told me as my other friends in the mental health field have that they're very busy right about now and I just wanted to say dr. ball thank you for your service to the people that need you right now Uh, it's really great Um, just for everybody out there this isn't a sales pitch I'm not trying to sell you anything the only Mm -hmm. thing I hope to convince you of is that it's gonna be okay and uh, this is gonna be a wellness conversation We're going to specifically talk around areas of mental health and wellness in the middle of, I don't know, this is like the absolute craziest part of the alternate timeline that I can possibly think of. Who knew we would be here, right? Right. Um, So I just want everybody to sit back, relax, and I truly hope that the information that we cover will help someone out there, you know, just even Mm -hmm. a little bit. So my first question to you, Dr. Ball, is... So yeah, we can do to stop all this goddamn Zoom meeting stuff that we have to do. Uh, I'm just so sick of the webinars. I, like it's great, but you know, give me a break.
2: <laughs> so here we are, adding to that, right? Right. Just piling
0: <laughs> on. both you and I said before we started, we're like, oh. yeah, <laughs> so <I'm
2: exhausted>, <laughs> right? I've been on screen all day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot we could do. First this is no longer short-term crisis. We are kind of moving into, to get what the government is saying, kind of phase two. And um, a lot of people are experiencing burnouts of different sorts. And this communication through Zoom and FaceTime is getting to a lot of people. And the way I help, what helps me understand it is there are Different people who are thriving and some people who are really suffering. I just, my last client today told me a story about him being on a Zoom cocktail party. (laughs) He wasn't talking very much. And so his friend said, I'll change his name. Michael, tell me about, tell us something about your sex life. (laughs) <laughs> now he's an introverted guy yeah he's really quiet clearly this friend's intention was to try to engage him my client was kind of on the verge of receding and getting a little depressed and he got totally flustered Yeah, and another friend chimed in now, he's an introvert he does not do well in these settings what I told him and <laughs> what I'm telling people out there it's for him. He has to first, before he gets on one of these things, set an intention. You know, what do, what do I want out of this? What do I want out of this experience? Do I just want to check in? Do I need to pressure myself to talk? Can I just relax? And I said it's also okay to set a time limit. Right. We'll have to set limits now because right. we're getting burned out from this being the only way that we communicate And I can talk about. About that, if we have time later. Um, Now, if you're an extrovert, some extroverts are thriving. They love holding court and being told, you know, they can tell about their day and calling on people. But knowing what you are, and I don't believe that we're pure introverts and pure extroverts, but just knowing that and really kind of being attuned to what your needs are before you start, like all this stuff, take a breath, tune in get clear about your intent, set a limit in your head. What you did with me, Neil, (laughs) You're right. Here's here's the limits. Yeah. And go with that and trust that because we're doing the best we can in a time that we can't make sense of. Right. And we're not going to make sense of it until it's over. We can look back upon it and then – really have some sense of what we are going through. But if you try to make sense of what we're going through now, you can't do that. So just keep it simple. Keep checking in with yourself. That's, that's going to be my message throughout all these questions. So, Dr. Ball, mm-hmm. one of
0: the things that I've noticed around the smaller household, and I'm sure this is happening everywhere, is that nobody's going to bed on time and nobody's getting up on time. Right. I feel like everybody's kind of off schedule, off kilter, and I'm sure that that's starting to kind of build on people's minds. So you want to talk about that for me?
2: Yeah, there's a lot in that. First, let me, first, for anyone who in the past, and this includes probably 90% of us, who have had problems with anxiety, panic attacks, some version of depression, maybe coping in ways that we're overindulging. all of these aspects of behavior are heightened. And we're spending a lot of time trying to kind of get away from that, but there is, every pre-existing condition that we have internally is getting externalized and making it hard for some people to get up in the morning, some people to go to sleep. Um, I. Th- the first thing is always, Forgive yourself. These are really difficult times. Forgive the people that you live with. We're all trying to do our best. We can't both fix ourselves and really, we don't want to do all the heavy work, but we can forgive ourselves. So it first starts with kind of forgiving yourself for having this hard time. And the second is kind of forgiving those around you about whatever getting brought up through all this. That would be the first thing. The next thing I think is really setting a schedule for yourself. Yeah. Because a lot of our schedules are thrown off. I mean, you're you're not, the transitions that we had in life from, I know I'll speak for myself, going to work, going to the office, coming home, everything I did to transition. So my body doesn't know where I am. A lot of people forgot that it's springtime. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like allergy season. I don't have
0: time to think about that.
2: <laughs> sure. I keep looking at the same, and I guess I'm, I I usually live in the city, and I'm looking at the same tree every day. And it's like, I really have to think. If it wasn't for my clients that are sort of on the same schedule, I know it's Tuesday because I'm meeting this client. I know it's, but a lot of us are so disoriented. So it's, it, the first thing is try to, just think in terms of setting, being setting a schedule, whatever that looks like, um, and think about something special you will do for the weekend. So the weekend is different than the weekdays. These are all things that we naturally do, but we're not doing any of that. So, our, so going to sleep and getting up in the morning, it does, it does have that groundhog day effect that I think we talked about <laughs> last video. Yeah. Um, and take a little time. And a lot of my clients are talking about this. Before you jump out of bed and say, Oh my God, what do I have to do today? <laughs> I don't know who might be like that. Take a moment, check in, and just say, Not just how am I going to get through this day, but how am I going to take care of myself today? Really, that's just a kind of putting that new lens on, so to speak. How can I take care of myself today? I think that has to be all of our kind of first priority and in taking care of ourselves, we will, giving that moment, we will start taking care of others in a different way. Um, Also, acknowledge if you're getting depressed or anxious. And, You know I'm a parts guy, so we all have different parts. This is just part of me, and it's gotten very muscular—the part that has to do and go—and it's it's so overbuilt at this point. And I just acknowledge that part, notice it, and if you can, just say talk to it a little, have a conversation, and that also applies to depression, anxiety, and or old behaviors that are really destructive, like over shopping, over drinking, you get the overeating, those are also coming up. So this is just time to be gentle, not to fix those problems, but do a little harm reduction every day.
0: Dr. Ball knows me pretty well for a long time now, knows my personality type. So it's not a surprise to him, and it's probably not a surprise to a lot of people out there that I was kind of like a motivation junkie, especially when I was 25 before I had children. You know, it's like, you know, read all the books, get all the catchphrases, put the stupid posters on the wall to motivate you. I actually had uh, one of my buddies, Zach Bodenweber, on the podcast. He's a coach. And Um, we were talking about how we are now like motivation junkies and such. And one of the – and now I'm not, of course, because now it's just like, oh, I've got too much going on. Right, right. um, But one of the things that kind of pisses me off the most about all of this is the motivation junkies are – being persistent through this. And I think Mm -hmm. they have good intentions, but I feel like the idea that, you know, if you don't leave this quarantine with a new skill or crush 20 books or like in shape and Mm -hmm. lost weight, then you, you suck at life or like, you know, you failed or whatever it is that they're saying. So again, I, I feel like their intentions are good, but it's, it kind of stinks. So I just want your opinion on that matter. What do you think about all of that? And what should people really be doing?
2: start with two general statements your job now is to survive and that's not very exciting that's not very thrilling but it it really is to get through this as intact as we all can and then we'll figure out how to make use of our creativity and overperform later on yeah um Another thought I have is a lot of us in this world today feel like we are our output. (laughs) We are what we put out there to the world. So, um, yeah, I've been hearing this a lot. People kind of pressuring themselves to want to do something. Sometimes it's just to want to help. But there are others. My niece the other day said, I'm I'm feeling the pressure. I I need to be creative. I need to write a song. And for her that was coming from social media. So the first thing I would say is figure out where this is coming from. Yeah. It's a should. It's not a could, it's a should. So listen, you can name all the shoulds. I should be creative. I should be making use of this time. I should not be wasting my time. All those are shoulds. I've talked to you about this before. This works for me. I take each should and change it into this is an old standard if I really wanted to I could and just try if you just try that on that little difference then you could ask yourself do I really want to the should feels punitive I should be doing this it, it's where is that coming from your parents the culture social media you know, your vision of who you should be to change it. Once you identify that, if I really wanted to, I could write something that tells about my experience now and put it out there. If the answer is, do I really want to? No. Be relieved, let it go. If it's, I think so, or just then have dialogue with it. Dialogue. Change your should could, and that immediately have an internal dialogue. And I guarantee you, most people. I had a client the other day who was really overworking and saw it as a time to make extra money. Mm. And um, he was getting burnt out. And should this be his time where he could do overtime and make extra money? Well, it could. He asked himself, Did he really want to? He said no. He ended up actually doing then he got to doing a piece of art that he wanted to do, but it wasn't the should doesn't help us be creative it doesn't help us do our output. it just makes us feel horrible about ourselves.
0: all right, Dr. Stephen Ball, thank you so very much for joining me here on this session of coping with Covid. Do you have any closing thoughts for my listeners and viewers out there?
2: Yeah, it might sound a little corny, but <laughs> we like. <laughs> My closing thoughts are take time to slow down, take time to breathe, really, really take time just to pause. If you want to reflect, reflect on what's going on inside your body. We can't control what's outside in the world, there's so much we can't control. So, really, The more self care we could do. And it just takes, before I did this podcast, I was thinking, what am I going to say? And I just lie down and relax and did kind of uh, the end of a yoga class for myself, but just scanning my body. And it's exactly what I needed. And I haven't been taking the time to do that. I've been transitioning from work to dinner to trying to relax. So take the time, pause. Be with your body, be with your thoughts, be with your mind, and um, don't try to change what you can't control.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I mean, when I was talking to Dr. Dresdale, we talked about post traumatic growth. So instead of allowing this to bring us down, we actually grow from this. And I believe if we dare it, we can make our lives remarkably better because of this. You know, that overworked part of us that, you know, we just talked about that go, go, go stuff, like give it a rest, you know, be still, as you just said. You can grow from this, but not in that hacky goal set by some there yeah, yes. that's doing squats <laughs> on on their thread to get followers, right? So yes. Yes, just a better awareness of ourselves, of others, what's really important in life. Yes. You know,
2: Yes, just learning to be still is growth. Yes, and being... The fact is, my sessions that I've been doing through this period as a therapist have been quite remarkable. Because people are forced to be with themselves, to slow down. Everything's a little exaggerated, and if they really take the time, we are getting some really strong work in. Right. It's surprising me. So I'm not telling saying all your listeners have to do that but there is the opportunity to start that now by just kind of staying with yourself yeah yeah excellent
0: so thank you all for your time that you took here to listen and watch us so please be safe of course when when you have time breathe you know make time to just breathe this is a great opportunity to build a great meditation practice we have that information Mm -hmm. on our website if you don't know how to do that um, we have lots of information on coronavirus and all the myths and misinformation out there. So take a look at that at woodstockvitamins.com on our blog. Thank you again to Ben and Steve for being so generous with their time. So things are starting to calm a little bit around here, if we can say that. You know, people are becoming more available for me and they're becoming more available for their interviews. So I'm hoping that we'll get back on track with our podcast. And I'm really hoping that we get back on track with our lives pretty soon. So expect that in the next couple of weeks. So for now, all I can say is that I really, really hope that you're doing okay. This is a tough time. If we play it smart, we'll get through this. And hopefully, after it's all done, we'll all be better because of it. So really, I hope you're okay. If you want to reach out to either of our guests, please check the show notes for their contact information. Email me, neil at drneilsmoller.com or neil at woodstockvitamins.com. And until next time, keep listening, keep learning, deep breaths, and be well.